My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Well, welcome to uh, another day as we continue through the Word of God. And I love doing this with you, and I hope you've enjoyed this. If you haven't had a chance to subscribe to my YouTube channel, please go ahead and do that. Anthony P. Richards, links are in the description below, below to YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, you, everywhere. Uh, but I do have all the playlists of each of the books of the Bible that I've done uh, videos on, and I've done you know over 200 of them so far, and I'm working my way through the entire Bible. So it's a great way to be able to see uh, different chapters of uh, different books, and uh, some of which I have completed. And uh, I'm excited to go through this journey with you. Today we are continuing our journey through the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. And we're going to be picking up here from verse 14. Now, I'm breaking up Proverbs because Proverbs, not there's not really any chapter in Proverbs that just contains one topic. They all contain multiple topics. And uh, there's lots of nuggets in them. And I want you to be able to grab a hold of those so that they can mean something to you. And you can digest them and allow them to be applied to your life. So with that, let's continue on today with verse 14 starts off with the words, do not. Now, this is Solomon talking to his son. Do not. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Solomon wanted to tell his children to keep from starting on the path of the wicked. Um if you don't ever enter the path of the wicked, then you don't have to get off it. And I think that's what he was trying to teach his son. Alan P. Ross said this, Plot rightly paraphrases, Don't take the first step, for you may not be master of your destiny thereafter. Adam Clark, Never associate with those whose life is irregular and sinful. Never accompany them in any of their acts of transgression. And I think, you know, there's something here. This, this doesn't mean, you know, they don't, you know, <laughs> don't spend time with people who don't love Jesus. No, obviously they need to hear about Jesus. But if they're going to go and sin, don't you join them in doing it? You know, okay, let me make that really clear for you. Uh, if you're the Christian, don't, don't help other people get drunk. Don't go to the bar and say, Oh, I'll come and I'll be the designated driver while you get, you know, totally wasted. No. That, that's not a good witness. A good witness is, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to help you in your transgression. I'm, I'm not because, one, because that God doesn't want me to do that. Secondly, because I don't want to put myself in a situation or a position where I could slide down into that sin. It, it, and it's foolishness. The Bible calls that foolishness if you do that. Do not walk in the way of evil. The, it, because if the path of the wicked is entered, then you've got to turn your steps away from it very quickly. You've got to have urgency about you. Uh, wisdom speaks and says, avoid it, turn away from it. Because every further step on an evil path makes it harder to get off that path. And I've seen this happen so much with people who have very noble and wonderful, uh, loving intentions, but it did not work out the way that they really thought it was going to or the way that they wanted it to. And, uh, and I think that's actually really, really sad. Okay, verse 
16. Let's move on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. Their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. The people who are on the path of wickedness, Solomon's saying they're committed to their sin. You can't try and talk them out of it. They're, they're committed to it because they've become addicted to it. They can't sleep um, and they will sacrifice sleep. They'll sacrifice their money, their their dignity, their freedom to do whatever they need to do to do evil. And they can't go to sleep, you know, their sleep is taken away, unless they somehow try to draw other people down their path of weakness. Because sin has become what sustains them. It's become their bread and their wine. Alan P. Ross, by using hyperboles, the teacher portrays the character of the wicked as those who are addicted to evil. They're so completely devoted to evil conduct that they can't sleep until they they find expression for it. Derek Kidner. The Bible does not hide the fact that one can become as zealous for evil as for good. Very true. Verse 18. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The path of the wicked, it's dark, and 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 the, the further you go down it, the darker it gets. But the path of those who get with wisdom, the path of the just, gets brighter. So the further you go down the path of wisdom, the brighter your path gets. Down the path of evil, the darker it gets. It's just light and darkness. That's the difference between God and the devil. And Adam Clark said this, the path of the wicked is gloomy, dark, and dangerous. That of the righteous person is open, luminous, and instructive. This verse contains a fine metaphor. It refers to the sun rising above the horizon and the increasing twilight till his beams shine full upon the earth. Bruce Waltke talks about the Hebrew word here that, uh, that talks about uh, the light. Uh, it's the word nagar. And it refers to the light's bright gleam or radiance as from the moon or stars. And it connotes that there are no clouds, not even a shadow on this path. Bruce Waltke. Charles Bridges. This is not the feeble light of a candle, nor the momentary blaze of a meteor, but the grand illumination of heaven. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Verse 19. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. Uh, you know, I mean, look, if you think about where each path is going to lead, uh, you know, it should be obvious which choice to make. But one of the, the, the tempter's great strategies, the devil's great strategies is to hide the consequences of sin. And whether it's the, the, the path, uh, that we're on to wickedness or the path that we are on to righteousness, the devil wants to try and hide the consequences. He doesn't want you to see what good your life will become if you follow God's ways. So he does everything he can to try to block you seeing the, the positive consequences of, of following God. At the same time, he tries to block you seeing the negative consequences of following his path. Uh, he, he never has a positive attitude. You have to understand that. He, he, his mindset is to kill, steal, and destroy. That, that There's nothing good or positive uh, in that. Okay, let's move on to verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. I love these verses. Uh, the lessons of wisdom can sometimes be given 
but not received. And Solomon knew that because why? Probably because David has had given him wisdom and there'd been wisdom that he hadn't t- turned to or he turned away from. Solomon here exhorts his son to pay attention. Keep the les- lessons of wisdom before your eyes. Don't take your eyes off them. You can just imagine him saying that. David Guzik, Proverbs 4 verses 20 to 27, make mention of the body at least 11 times. The eyes, the feet, the heart, they're mentioned twice. The ear, the flesh, the mouth, lips and eyelids are mentioned once each. And it is a section that speaks powerfully on how we can dedicate each part of our body to wisdom and God's honour. Later, the Apostle Paul wrote of yielding the parts, the members of our body to God in Romans chapter 6. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Even though it goes against our inherently sinful nature, we must cultivate a heart that loves wisdom and is focused upon her. If if wisdom's only regarded as, oh, this is what you can and this is what you can't do, then her purpose will never be achieved. Uh, we need to pray for wisdom, pursue wisdom in the midst of the heart, not just in our head. Charles Bridges, uh, a neglected Bible is the melancholy proof of a heart that is alienated from God. For how can we have a spark of love for him if that book that is full of his revealed glory is despised? So true. So true. Uh, it's life to all who find them. God's word, which uh, here Solomon is communicating through the words and sayings of his father David, now onto his children, brings life and health. That's what you have to understand. The pursuit of wisdom is guaranteed to be rewarded, and it's guaranteed to be rewarded with life and health. Okay, let's move on uh, to again a I don't know maybe a top twenty verse that all Christians have at least heard, but maybe don't know where it is in the Bible. Uh, but this is a verse that I'm about to read, uh, Proverbs uh, chapter four, verse twenty three. Um, and I would say that there's not many Christians who actually apply this in their lives. I, I think there's a lot who try, but I, I know a lot of people who know this verse but don't live it. So we're going to learn how to not do that. That's what we're going to do. Keep your heart with all diligence, all diligence. That's the key, all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Because wisdom belongs in the midst of our heart, It's necessary to keep the heart by guarding it, protecting it. And in the sense that Solomon meant here, our heart should be kept for one thing and one thing only, which is for wisdom. That's what guards it against the way of the wicked. Now, uh, David Guzik says this, especially from the perspective of the new covenant, which promises a new heart in Ezekiel chapter 36, 26. That's what the, the promise would be with the new covenant. Uh, from the Old Testament, we can say that keep your heart implies a heart worth keeping, a new heart, one worth guarding. The heart is the reservoir and change must begin there. If the reservoir is polluted, it does no good to fix the pipes or the valves. I love that imagery that he comes up with there. Warren Wisby, the Bible warns us to avoid having a double heart, a hard heart. Well, so he warns us about a, a double heart in, in Psalm 12, 
a hard heart in Proverbs 28, a proud heart in Proverbs 21, an unbelieving heart in Hebrews 3, a cold heart in Matthew 24, and an unclean heart in Psalm 51. Obviously, God knows it's our heart that gets us into trouble, but it's also our heart that if we protect that leads us to wisdom. That's why you have to keep it with all diligence, all. That implies that it's not easy to keep your heart. There's going to be opportunities to give our heart to a person that we shouldn't give our heart to. There's going to be opportunities to give our heart to a path that we shouldn't give our hearts to. And Charles Bridges said, as Satan keeps special watch here, so we must also keep special watch. If the heart is captured, the whole person, affections, desires, motives and pursuits will all be handed over to the enemy. That's why you have to keep it with all diligence. Why? Because out of it spring the issues of life. There is a reward to somebody who guards their heart and keeps it for wisdom. What is that? They're going to enjoy life flowing out of their heart. It's going to be like a pleasant and, and, and bountiful spring of water. And, and the unguarded heart sees a choking or a restriction to the joy and the pleasantness of life. I, I think about Psalm 42 where David, uh, wrote, as the deer pants for the water brooks, uh, the psalmist, I should say, uh, wrote in Psalm 42, uh, because I think that might have been the sons of Korah. Uh, when you go to the river Jordan and you see where, where the, the, the psalmist, uh, wrote, as the deer pants for these water brooks, this beautiful clear water, you, you see the imagery of Israel, the land itself. This is why when you go to Israel, it just brings the whole Bible to life. Um, because the, the, the Jordan River is sourced by the, the, the melting snow from Mount Hermon up in the north of Israel and it comes down and flows down right in the northern, north, northern part of Israel. And that's where David wrote as the deer pants for the water brooks. But then the water flows down into the Jordan into the Galilee and the Galilee was the place where, you know, Jesus did 70% of his miracles. It was life giving. That's where they went fishing. That's where they caught the fish. And Peter said, put, Jesus said to Peter, put the net on the other side. But then the same river Jordan flows out of the Galilee and then down into the river again. And then it feeds the Dead Sea. Isn't that interesting that the same water can feed life uh, and then also into uh, the Dead Sea where nothing can live? And I think that's that's a great understanding for us of why it's so important to make sure that uh, our heart doesn't end up in a dead state, but it ends up in a state that is fed with a bountiful spring. David Guzik, one of the great enticements of the way of the wicked is that it's fun, it's pleasant, and it's going to bring some sense of happiness. That's a lie. The same God who designed and created us is the God who guides us in and through his commands. And though it may not be immediately or instinctively apparent, his commands are for our happiness and good. Though guarding the heart with all diligence may mean saying a temporary painful no to excitements and no to enticements on the way of the wicked, the overall result is happiness, joy, and pleasantness. Dwayne Garrett. It is the wellspring of life in that the capacity to live with joy and vigor ultimately comes from within and not from circumstances. The corrupt heart draws one down to the grave, but wisdom protects the heart from that corruption. Warren Wearsby, if we pollute that wellspring, the infection will spread and before long, hidden appetites will become open sins and public shame. Verse 24. 
Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. To stay on the path of the just, you have to give attention to what you speak because deceitful and perverse words are used to cover deceitful and perverse actions and and all that does is lead you further along the way of the wicked. If you could actually never speak in an impure or perverse way and determine to never do things that then have to be covered with a deceitful mouth, that's going to go a long way to avoiding the works of the wicked. In other words, when you do evil things, you have to lie to cover it up. Very simple. If you don't do evil things, then you don't have to lie to cover it up or hide it. So that helps you stay off the path of the wicked and on the path of the righteous. Alan P. Ross, righteousness, a right standing with God, will control the tongue, avoiding twisted and crooked speech. This is the next logical step, for words flow out of the heart. Again, I've said this before many times on many of my videos, but I, I will say it on this one as well. If you swear and you're a Christian, stop it. There's not one biblical example that you will be able to show me that, that you have the permission to use words that I know the Holy Spirit is convicting you not to use, and yet you're using your own logic to, to say, hey, listen, it's okay for me to do it. Now, I'm not judging you. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I don't swear and you do, so you're a bad person. But I see too many Christians who call themselves genuine Christ followers speak in a way that I know that if Jesus came and sat down next to them on the sofa, not a chance in the world would they use that word. So if that's the test for you, why are you doing it? And if you say, yes, I would, yes, I would, then you're kidding yourself. You're just deceived. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel sorry for you because, and I don't pity you. I just feel sorry for you because you, you've, you've listened to a lie from the enemy. So can I please say, stop it. Don't do that. Don't listen to that lie. Protect your heart. Guard your heart. And if you are using words that you know are swear words, stop it. Please stop it. Not not for me, uh, but for you and for the protection of your own heart. I hope that I, I don't mean that to be judgmental, and I'm sorry if it came across like that. But it's not my heart. My heart is for you to have the best. My heart is for you to have 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 everything that God has for you, but I know too many Christians who swear and think it's okay, and it's not okay. Derek Kidner, superficial habits of talk react in the mind so that, for example, cynical chatter, fashionable grumbles, flippancy, half-truths, barely meant in the first place, harden into well-established habits of thought. And that's what happens. Verse 25, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Uh, we often get off the path of, of the righteous and the just because we're distracted. Uh, think about the blinders on horses. Well, that actually helps horses, you know, because it stops them getting distracted. I know a lot of people who are squirrels, you know, that they have the personality of a squirrel, easily distracted. Uh, they're like, oh, look at that. Oh, 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 oh there's a nut. Oh, there's, there's none of the nut. Oh, there's a nut. Oh, there's a nut. Oh, there's a nut. Oh, 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 oh. Nuts everywhere. Uh, and, and they can't focus. That's why horses wear the blinders because it keeps them focused. I think, I think we need the blinders of the word of God. We, we, we need these little things on the side of our eyes. No, I'm just keeping focused on where God wants me to look. Jesus said that, uh, it will, it, if we want to be fit for his kingdom, then we have to keep our eyes forward, not be distracted to the side or backwards. In Luke chapter 9, uh, no one having put his hand to the plow and not looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That's Jesus himself. He says, listen, you can't be looking to the left, or the right or back behind you. Okay, verse 26. We're getting to the end here. Verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet. Ponder. I love that word ponder. Whenever I hear that word ponder, 
Um, <laughs> I ponder about it because I just think it's an interesting word. Ponder the path of your feet. Let your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. If if we would consider the destination of the path that we are presently on, then that will actually lead by default to us living more wisely. If you just think about the path that you're on right now, you know, are you on a path to, to righteousness or are you on a path to evil? You're doing what God wants you to do in some parts of your life and not in the other. Let me tell you, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's why you can't have a path on a Sunday for an hour and then a path for the rest of the week. Uh, you have to be on the same path. Otherwise, all you're going to do is just get the splits and that's going to end up being really painful. Uh, Bruce Waltke says, talking about the sun, listening to this from Solomon, the sun must take care that every step conforms with that way. One false step could prove fatal. Your foot, Hebrew word, uh, reglaka, calls attention to every step taken in the road of life. Every step, you must pay attention to every single step. Dwayne Garrett, of particular interest is verse 27 here. The warning to swerve neither to the left or the right. Deuteronomy chapter 5, 17, 28, Joshua 23 verse 6. They're all similar. And the idea is that we should never be distracted from the way of wisdom. What's your observation? You know, uh, I'm, I'm going to leave the observations up to you today. Please put them in the comments below. What do you observe? What what stands out to you? What What's something that you're going to tell people um, about your path or changes you need to make to your path after listening to this today? Thank you so much for joining me. Heavenly Father, I, I just pray a blessing over everybody watching this video. I encourage them, inspire, equip, challenge them today, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray, Lord, that nobody would ever feel condemnation uh, about what your word points out to them is not how they're meant to be living, but God, that they would just understand the positive conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit and the God that you would allow them just to make those course corrections today and understand that they're now walking further towards you, not further away. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.